for some something from the Word of God to give you a blessing. This morning we're going. This evening we're going to talk about the gospel in the Old Testament. Isaiah 53. If you would turn to Isaiah 53, we're going to spend some time in Isaiah 53. We're going to be using two weeks on this. The first part of Isaiah 53 talks about the cause or the reason for the gospel, and the second part, the results. We'll see the results next week. But let's look at the cause. Isaiah chapter 53, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9. Isaiah 53 verse 1 says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now Isaiah asks two questions there. He asks, Who hath believed our report? Now Isaiah was a prophet. And the report that he's talking about is the word that God gave Isaiah to tell the people. Isaiah lived during the time that uh, Israel was still in existence and around the time that the Assyrians were going to come down and, and, uh, and take the northern tribes of, of the ten tribes of Israel away. And he, he was a prophet during that time. And he's asked the first question, who hath believed our report? Now, I want you to think about that. Think about the, the, uh, the time of uh, the wilderness. God said, ten times they turned their back on me. Ten times they caused my wrath. They didn't believe then. Think about the time of, that were where they were in Canaan. God told them to go into Canaan and drive everybody away and don't intermarry with the people that lived there. Did they do that? No, they did not. They failed. How about the Judges? Well, you want to you want to read about God's patience. Read the book of Judges. How many times did the people of Israel turn their back on God, and God sent an enemy to overcome them, and they repented and turned back at God, and God said, I'll send you a judge. How many times did we see that happen? All through the book of Judges. And then Israel, after the split, every single king of Israel was bad. Every single king that followed the ways of Jeroboam up in uh, Bethel, he, he made two golden calves. He put, I think it was Bethel. He put one in Bethel and one in Dan, and that's what they worshipped. And, and from there, they went on to worship other. Can you believe that? After everything that he did for them, they turned their back and worshipped false gods. They even did that when Moses was up on uh, Mount Sinai, right? right? So who hath believed our report? But then again... His own people, the Jews, didn't believe when Messiah finally came, did they? John chapter 1, verse 1 says, He came to his own, and his own received him not. They said, Crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. They turned their back, and they disbelieved that Jesus was the Messiah and the Savior. Thank God there was a remnant, the apostles and, and the ones that went on to be saved through them. But his own people didn't believe him. Now, how do you think that made God feel? I talked about that this morning. Sometimes I think we should, when we're studying the Bible, we would look at it from the standpoint of how the different things that happened made God feel. Is it possible to make God sad? Can we make God sad? Yes, we can. Do we? Yes, we do. Do we have to? No, we don't. But that's another message. He says, who hath believed our report? 
Can you see? Can you feel the frustration in his voice? This is Isaiah, and and in God's voice. And then he says, "To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Who did God reveal the arm of the Lord to?" Romans one, chapter twenty-one. I mean. Um, Romans 12, 31. Let me read 1, 21, 21. That was another verse uh, talking about, I'm sorry, I skipped over that. The world in general, the world today. What percentage of the world today do you think believes that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the Savior? Not many. Brenda's back there going like this. Not many. Romans 1, 21 and 22 says, because that when... When they knew God and glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Remember we talked about darkness on Wednesday? Darkness is a picture of sin and unbelief. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Professing themselves to be wise. Do, do, do the scientists of today think that they're wise? Man, they think they know everything. They say the Big Bang Theory started the universe. And they say evolution, we came from monkeys. And they think they're so smart. But the Bible says they're fools, and their holiday is April Fool's Day. Because the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. You know, not all science is wrong. You know, gravity is right, and uh, there's other things that science have given, has given us, and medicines and all that. Not all science is bad. But evolution is evil. Big Bang Theory is evil. There's a thing called, how many have ever heard of the Higgs boson? Mr. Higgs back in the 50s said, or 60s, said he discovered a particle and he called it a boson. And you know what he called it? The God particle. You know what he says? Every element and every piece of element in the universe is made up of bosons. And it's the God particle. It's not God. I like to call them Higgs, Higgs bozos because that's what they are. <laughs> but the point is, professing themselves to be wise, we think we're so wise, don't we? Well, scientists think they're so, not us. We know the truth. But unbelievers and scientists, they think they're so smart. But the second question, he says, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? In John chapter 12, verses 31 and 33, it says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Who's that? Who's the prince of this world? It's the devil. And I, even I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw, listen to what he says, I will draw all men unto me. This he said signifying the death that he would die. When he says I will be lifted up, he's talking about being lifted up on the cross. But he said, I will draw all men unto me. That word draw doesn't mean force. It means to draw by inward power, to lead, to urge. It's not force. God doesn't force anybody to be saved. But he gives them the opportunity that whosoever should believe on, shall believe on him shall be saved. So to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? To everybody. Everybody has an opportunity. And if they resist God, it's because they don't want to believe. Isaiah 53, 2 and 3 show us that the Jews were not, the Jews were not what, 
what, they, what Israel expected. Look what they say. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Now, when the Bible talks about having no form or comeliness, that doesn't mean that Jesus was ugly. Do you think Jesus was ugly? I don't think Jesus was ugly. He just looked like a regular Jew. He certainly didn't look like the pictures that we see of that long-haired guy with blue eyes and kind of effeminate features. No, that's not the Jesus. He was, he was a man. He was a man's man. But having no form or comeliness and being as a tender plant talks about his humility. When Jesus came the first time, he didn't come as a, an avenging king. He came as a humble servant. Turn to Philippians chapter 2, please. Philippians chapter 2. I love this. This, this makes me feel bad because I'm not like what Jesus is. Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Somebody this morning was talking about knowing somebody that didn't believe that Jesus was God. Show them that verse. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery. In other words, that word robbery means to be a thing held on to. He let it go to be equal with God. Not that he stopped being God, but he let go of his glory. Out of the ivory palaces he came down. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So when Jesus came, you know, the Jews expected him to be the great king that's going to avenge us from the Romans, going to free us from Roman tyranny. We're going to be free, and the, and the Messiah is going to make us free. Well, in the future he will, but that's not why he came the first time. They expected a deliverer. Even the apostles did. Look at what it says in John and Acts chapter 116. And when they therefore had come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Even the apostles didn't know quite exactly why he came the first time. He straightened them out, though. John 19, 14 to 15 says, And it was the preparation of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, and he said unto the Jews, Behold your king. This is Pilate speaking to the Jews. Behold your king. And what did they say? Away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. And Pilate said, Shall I crucify your king? What did they say? We have no king but Caesar. They rejected the king. Isn't it ironic? The Sunday before, or the Sunday before, they were bringing him in, putting palm trees down, and, and laying their clothes, and, and, and saying, Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. And these same Jews that on uh, six days earlier were professing to him, to him to, that he was the Messiah, and saying, Hosanna to God in the highest, 
Hosanna means God save us. What do they say when, when Pilate said, what should I do with your king? Crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. Fickle people, weren't they? Well, sometimes we're fickle too. But why did Jesus really come? Did Jesus come as a, to be the king and to lead Israel and, and to give them freedom from the tyranny of Rome, or did he come for another reason? Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6 say, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him, esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. They thought he deserved it. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why did he come? He came to pay for our sins. It was all part of God's plan. That's what we be going to be talking about, uh, I forgot the word again, dispensations. I don't know why I keep forgetting that word. That's what, that's what's all part of God. That's what a dispensation is. It's, it's a, it's a, a step-by-step progressive revelation of, of God's salvation, doing all the different steps, the promise, the law, the grace, and then the kingdom. Do you think that God said, uh-oh, innocence failed, now what am I going to do? Oh, let's try conscience. And then he looks and says, oh, conscience didn't, conscience failed. Let's try human government. Then he looks and says, oh, human government failed. Let's try the promise. No, God, I like the saying, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? God knows the end from the beginning. And God had a plan. And his plan was progressive, step by step, went back to Abraham, step by step through Israel, through the kings, right up to Jesus. And when he was on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. Not his life. The atonement was finished on the cross by the blood. Isaiah says, we're, all, we're, we're like dumb sheep. You know, I don't know if, if you know too much about sheep, but they're pretty stupid. They will go off and wander off into the wilderness and get lost and fall off a cliff. They'll just walk right off the cliff and fall off, and the shepherd has to go find them. That's why he's got that little crook on his neck, grabs him by the neck. You know what they used to do sometimes? If, if a shepherd had, a, had a, a sheep that was prone to wandering and wander and wander and wander, you know what he did? He caught that, sh that sheep, broke his leg, put it on his shoulder, and carried it back. And while the whole time that that leg was healing, he would have that sheep on his shoulder. And when that leg healed, that sheep followed that shepherd everywhere he went, never wandered again. Sometimes God has to break our legs to get us to follow him, doesn't he? But he says we're also like helpless leaves. Isaiah 64, 6 says, but all we are as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags or the leper. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. We're in uh, fall season, right? And what do we see in fall season? The wind blowing the leaves off the trees. And those leaves are at the mercy of the wind. If the wind's going that way, the leaves are going that way. If the wind's going this way, the leaves are going this way. And God says, in our own righteousness, 
we're the same way because our iniquities will overcome us. That's why we need a Savior. And it's because of that we need a Savior. That's why he said in verses 4 and 5, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. You ever wonder what a stripe is? What's a stripe? With his stripes we are healed. With his beating, from his beating, from his bruises, from the cuts, from everything that they did. The Bible says that he was marred more than any man. You couldn't even recognize him when they were done with him. They beat him so bad. They ripped his beard off. Anybody have a beard today? How, John, what, what, what do you think it would be like if I went up to you and pulled your mustache off? You think that would hurt? <laughs> well, how'd you, how would you like to have a full beard? The Jews had a full beard like that, and they ripped it off, and they beat him. We're going to talk about that at another time, but that beating was not the thing that caused him to cry out. It's because of what we are that God sent Jesus to do what he did. The law can't save us. Right. Keeping the law can't save us. Romans 3.20 says, Therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law shows us that we're sinners. That's why Israel... Did you know that when God gave the Ten Commandments that the Jews heard everything he said. They were on the bottom. It wasn't that God just gave it to Moses and he came down and gave it to Israel. If you read the Bible, you'll see they heard his voice when he gave the Ten Commandments. And they said, oh, we don't want to hear this anymore. Moses, you go up there and you let, you let God tell you and come back. And when he came back, his face was so, so shiny that they had to put a veil on his face because he was in the presence of God. By the law is the knowledge of sin. When they saw what the law said, they said, oh, we can't do this. We can't go do all these things. It's, we're too sinful. Good works can't save us either. Titus 3.5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration, that's being born again, and the renewing of the spirit. You know, there's people that they walk, they walk, yeah, I'm always on this side, let me go on this side. They think, that in heaven there's a balance. You ever see a, a, a like balance scale? And they think, well, my sins are going to be in my left hand, the left side, and my good works are going to be on the right. If my, my sin outweighs my balance, I'll go to hell. If my good works outweigh my sin, I'll go to heaven. But the Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. There's two kinds of religion in this world. Religion of, right, of self-righteousness and a religion of faith. You can either be self-righteous and think you're going to get to heaven by earning it, or you can have, or you're, I don't, I don't like to use the word religion. He's going he's gonna to yell at me when I get home. It's not religion, it's a relationship, right? But the relationship of knowing Christ as your Savior get you to heaven by faith. What's faith? Faith is, the, I love this verse, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Can I prove to you empirically, you know what empirically means, right? Can I prove to, 
empirically means by showing, by showing in a lab, showing by proof. Can I prove to you empirically that God exists? Does God want me to try to, to try to prove to you that God exists? Or does God want me to have faith in what the Bible says and believe that he exists? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of your hope to get to heaven and the evidence of things not seen. You can't see God. God's a spirit. But you see him in the Bible, and you believe the Bible because you have faith. That's what God wants us to have. Only Jesus can save us. 1 Corinthians 5.2. This is a very, very important verse. First, 2 Corinthians I'm sorry, 5.21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Now let's get that straight. It's not us that knew no sin. It's Jesus that knew no sin. For he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We see there double imputation. We see our sins imputed. I'm going to explain to you what imputed means in a minute. We see our sins imputed upon Jesus when he was on the cross. And when we trust him as our Savior, his righteousness is imputed into us. So what does an imputation mean? What does it mean to be imputed? Imputed means to lay into someone's account, to put into someone's account. Our sin was imputed upon Jesus, and his righteousness was imputed upon us. I'm going to give you a, a, an example. I know it's going to sound like I'm patting myself on the back, but I'm not. I like this example. Back about 20, 25 years ago, my brother, who lived in Ohio, was having a financial problem, and I found out about it. So I called his wife, and I said to his wife, give me the account number of your checking account. And she gave me the account number of her checking account. And I transferred some money from my checking account into his checking account. I imputed money into his checking account. That's what imputation means, to put into the account. Jesus' righteousness is imputed into us, not our righteousness. Our sin was imputed into Jesus, not his sin, our sin. When he was on the cross, our sin was imputed upon him, we trust Christ as our Savior, his righteousness is imputed into us. And that account never dries out. That account never runs out. That account lasts forever. You know, when Jesus came, he laid down his life willingly. It wasn't a mistake. Uh, how many of you have ever seen Jesus Christ Superstar or heard it? blasphemy. It's terrible. The basic theme of Jesus Christ Superstar is that Jesus just bit off more than he could chew. And he died because he just lost control of everything. He's called a jaded Mandarin and a puppet. And he said, and, uh, and uh, who said that? Somebody said, oh, he said to, in, in the play, he said to Pirate, everything is fixed and you can't change it. I did a, a, a thing on, on I, I, unfortunately, I, I'm not proud of this, but I uh, followed, I went to see it, Jesus Christ Superstar. I saw it in Boston, and I saw the movie. And I know all, almost all the lyrics. And believe me, they are terrible. 
he's, he's presented as a liar. He's not the Messiah. He's not the Savior. But that is not the way it was. Jesus gave, put down and laid down his life willingly. Isaiah 53, 7 says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Now, that was not just orally. That was defensively. It was not a mistake that Jesus died on the cross. He did not lose control of the situation to the point where he lost his life, like they try to say in Jesus Christ Superstar. It was not a mistake. Jesus said, therefore does my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. He didn't lose control. He didn't, it wasn't a mistake that Jesus died on the cross. He went there like a, they said he said his, the Bible said he said his face like a flint. I forget where that is. I think it's in the Old Testament. He said his face like a flint, straight. They tried to stop him. They said, don't go to Jerusalem. If you go to Jerusalem, the Jews are going to kill you. He said, I have to go. He knew he had to go. He knew he had to die. But he said, the Pharisees aren't taking my life from me. I'm giving my life by my own will. It was not a mistake. Matthew, look, at Matthew, look what he says in Matthew 26. This is wonderful. Then said Jesus unto him, now this is Jesus talking to Peter in, in Gethsemane. Then said Jesus to him, put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou not, look what he says, thinkest thou not that I cannot pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. You know how many 12 legions of angels there? There are 6,000 men in a legion. 12 legions is 72,000 angels. What did one angel do to the Syrians in front of Jerusalem? One angel. How many did he kill? 185,000. Now, some people think that, uh, that when the Bible refers to as the angel of the Lord, that it's Jesus himself. And I think that's probably true. But even if it's not, even if it was just one angel, do you think that if God, Jesus said, I could send 72,000 angels to protect me and get rid of you guys and destroy all of Israel. I could do that if I wanted to. But then he says, but how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled? That thus it must be. Why? Why did Jesus allow them to take him away to the cross and suffer such a cruel death? Why did he die on the cross? What if he hadn't died on the cross? Where would we be? He did it out of love for us. He did it because it was necessary to do it. There was no option. There was no other option. The law can't do it. Righteousness can't do it. It had to be the payment of, the Christ, of, of, the, of Christ on the cross. That's why he did it. The Bible says he was treated like a criminal. In uh, Isaiah 53, 9, he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? Did he have a generation? No. Did he have a wife? No. Did he have children? No. Well, he's got you and me. We're his children. 
for he was out of the land of the for he was out off out of the land of the living the transgressions of my people for the transgress I'm sorry for the transgressions of my people was he stricken and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death that's a prophecy folks because he had done no violence neither was there any deceit in his mouth when they buried him did they bury him in a place of honor or did they just bury him in a common grave where 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 criminals could be could be buried yes it also says with the rich at his death who gave him the grave where he was buried Joseph of Arimathea his own grave his own brand new grave but he was still buried in the grave he was not buried in a place of honor and glory he was he was buried with the with the wicked and with the rich in his death but it was a rich man's grave Matthew 27 57 to 60 says and when evening was come there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph who also himself was Jesus' disciple. Thank God for Joseph. Nicodemus too, by the way. And he went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Jesus, then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it down in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of a rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. That's not the end. Well, if you want to know what the end is, you got to come next week because we're going to talk about the end next week. We're going to talk about the results of all this next week. A lot of good things happened when Jesus died on the cross, the, the least of which, did I say that right? The least of which was not the fact, the best part of it, put it that way, the best part of it was my soul was saved your soul was saved. When you, on, 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 on the media, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, your soul was saved. He did it out of love for us. For God commanded his love to us in that, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Propitiation means a satisfactory sacrifice. It means an atoning victim. He was the atoning victim on the cross. And he said, it is finished. And he was buried. And guess what? That's how Jesus Christ Superstar ends. There's no resurrection in Jesus Christ Superstar. It doesn't talk about the resurrection. He dies right there. The last words of the, of the, of the opera, I guess it's an opera. The last words of it are, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And everything goes black. Boom. And that's the end. And that's what they think. I feel bad for... He, Andrew, Lloyd Webber, Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote the music, but Tim Rice wrote the lyrics. And he's still alive, and so is Andrew Lloyd Webber. They better get saved because they committed blasphemy. Not only did they commit blasphemy, you know what the Bible says? Not only do they do the evil, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, not only do they do evil, but they have, they have uh, pleasure in them that do it. He wrote, Tim Rice wrote one of the most popular operas of the day. 
It was made an opera. It was made an album. It was made a play. It was made a movie. I had the album. I went to saw the play. You know, it's still, it, they, they still have it today. You can still see Jesus Christ Superstar today. How many millions of people have been deceived by the teachings and by the, the play Jesus Christ Superstar? He wasn't a superstar. That wasn't just a superstar. He was Superman. He was the God man. Amen. And he was the man that came down from the ivory palaces to pay for our sin. <clears throat> and if you are here today and you know Jesus as your Savior, thank God. And, and those on uh, media, you have an opportunity. You can trust Jesus Christ right, at, right where you are right now in, in the privacy of your own home. But don't put it off. You don't know. Brother, Brother Joe told us about driving down the street and a car tire hit him. And he's, a truck tire hit him. He said if that thing had hit him six inches higher, it would have hit him. It was low and it hit the door. Six inches higher would have hit him. Now what if he, what if he uh, heard the gospel last Sunday and said, I'm going to wait till next week. And that tire did hit six inches higher and he, and he was dead. He put it off. And how many people in the world put, put it off and say, oh, I'll wait. I can wait. I'd rather have my fun now. When I get old, then I'll trust Christ as my Savior. Or some say, I don't believe it. I believe with science. Science has the proof. Science says the Big Bang Theory. Science says evolution. Science says the Higgs boson or the Higgs bozo. But they are fools. And they have their holiday, April Fool's Day. So, next Sunday night, if you want to see the results of all this, come again, and you'll see why Jesus was so happy to die on the cross. Well, he was happy, but he was also not too happy about it. He said it grieved him. He was put to shame, and it shamed him to go on the cross. Can you imagine being covered with the sins of the world, how that made him feel? Can you imagine how it made the father feel when he had to turn his back his own son and pour out his wrath on his own son for who? For him? For his sins? No, for our sins. Would you be willing to die for your own children? I know you say yes. Some people say yes, I would, but would you really? Suppose your son or your daughter committed murder and was guilty and there was just no way that he could deny it. And the judge said, well, I'll let you die in their place. Would you do it? God did it. Remember what God said to Abraham? Go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice your son, your only son, which you waited for for uh, 25 or 30 years. And he was 76 when he first, 86 when he first got the, got the promise and when he came. 14 years he waited for his son. And his son lived for about 14 years. And now God said, take your son, your only son, go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him for me. But before, Abraham was ready to do it. That's why, that's the sign for Abraham in the sign language. God stopped his hand. Before he did it, he was willing to do it. Before he did it, God stopped him. That's a picture of God except for one thing. God didn't stop his son, his own son to die. He let him die for us. So, come back next week. 
next Sunday night, and you'll see the results of Isaiah 53, the rest of the gospel, the good part. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we can't get enough of it. Help us, Lord, to learn something every day from your word, from the preaching of your word, from the reading of your word, from the meditating of your word, for loving your word. Thank you for it. Thank you for the word of God. We believe this is your word, Father. It's not written by men. It's written by God through men. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing one song of invitation. Oh, be quiet. Just as I am, right. that you've given us, given me to, to, uh, to uh, cover the pulpit for him. And it's an honor for me to be doing this. As, as nervous as it makes me feel, when I get up here, I'm not nervous because I know that you are leading me, and I thank you for that. Be with us this week. Help us to remember you and to get the word of God out. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.